0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell. throw, first and down, tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has 22
1: for Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man, he can't guard me. All right, welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell and Raja Bell. Raja's out on vacation. Bear with us as we get through our summer hours. Everybody's in different parts of the country. Trying to get some time off as we gear up for some huge things on Off the Bench. We're going to get to tell you about those. Probably in the next couple weeks, uh, there should be an announcement. Might have some changes to the show. You might be able to watch us more frequently, uh, maybe even every day. But I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too soon. we got a big show for you. Uh, Will Brents is going to join us in just a minute. we got Thomas Rongan, who's going to break down the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And as always, we're going to finish off our week with five-star Q&A, one of my favorite segments of the week, where we kind of go off the rails but those are some of the best topics we ever do. So we're going to get to that at the end of the show. But as I just mentioned a second ago, let's get to Will Brinson. He is the host of the Pick 6 podcast right here. You can check him out all the time on CBS Sports HQ. He's a really funny dude. I always enjoy doing things with him, as I did his podcast just a couple of weeks ago. We had a ton of fun. What's up, Will? How you doing, man?
2: What's going on, Danny? Thanks for doing the, uh, the old home and home here. Appreciate you uh, coming down to Louisiana Lafayette. Now I get to head up to uh, Florida State.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's an accurate uh, portrayal of the relationships there between the pods, but I'll take it any time of the week. Um, let's get right to it because we are in the thick of the NBA soap opera, right? I mean, the last couple weeks have been insane. We've been on LeBron watch for a couple months, then it finally settles. He goes with the Lakers and the NFL for, I feel like the first time in a long time, has been really put on the back burner. I mean, NFL used to try to own the conversation from January 1st all the way to December 31st. Like it was a year round discussion and the NBA has actually come in and taken over some of that dominance. Do you wish that the NFL had more offseason drama, movement, trades, like the type of things that we're seeing in the NBA?
2: Uh, y- yes, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point out too that I am perfectly fine right now as we sit here on July 6th with the NBA dominating the headlines because, and I think the NFL actually is two for once because it means that in, instead of like the last two years, the NFL has owned the entire offseason because of Tom Brady and uh, Ezekiel Elliott and the fact that they they were fighting a legal battle during the offseason against those two star players and I think the NFL is actually thrilled that there's no legal battle between uh, either them and Julian Edelman or them and Jameis Winston two star players who have you know who have received suspensions but appear to have had their appeals denied um having said that you know the the actual movement part of things yeah I wish I wish there was a little more action and I think interestingly enough um The unions in both sports, NBA and MLB, I mean, excuse me, NFL and and NBA, have managed to make some mistakes with the way that they allowed teams to manage the cap. Um, The creation of the Golden State Warriors came about because the NBA allowed a spike in the cap in 2016, which created this you know um like it's like a like a flash crash in the stock market where uh reverse where the the warriors were able to sneak in and get kevin durant on their team and, and no one else will ever be able to do that and a bunch of teams in 2016 who now stink went out and signed players to horrible deals in the nba and as a result you have this giant void giant gap between the haves and the have-nots in the nba for instance um I think there's five teams with odds of 14 and one or, or less to win the title. And then the next closest is like 60 to one. And then in the NFL, the, the issue that you run up with the cap is that, um, when, when the new CBA was negotiated, it was, you know, it, there needed to be rookie contracts in place because the rookie the salaries had gotten too bloated. Mm-hmm. But what happened was when they put in this rookie wage scale in the new CBA, th- the idea was to create more money for mid-level veterans, except teams are like, well why are we going to sign these veterans for the, for those contracts when we get this cheap labor from these rookies and I think the result has been uh you know along with a spike salary cap has been that teams can retain all the players that they want. Like you don't ever have to cut anybody anymore. So you don't have to see as much movement. Like in Dominican Sue was a rare cut and a rare move. Uh, you know, Robert Quinn by the Rams, they, they just traded him to the Dolphins. Two teams had room for Robert Quinn's salary. And so, uh, <laughs> you add that in with the franchise tag and it's just hard for players to move in the NFL.
1: One of the the big things we've seen over the last decade is the emergence of LeBron James as this power player. Like, he holds a lot of the cards. He plays the role of general manager. He gets coaches fired. He makes moves on rosters like we've never seen in professional sports before in any of the major sports leagues. Could you imagine if Tom Brady had that type of power, especially the way we're starting to see a power struggle start to emerge in New England, like, what do you think that would look like if you saw a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers who's been disgruntled uh, with his roster? Could you, like, could you imagine if that was the case in the NFL?
2: No, I mean, it's crazy to think about it. So, like, LeBron... LeBron traded half of his roster from Cleveland to the team that he wound up going to, and it ultimately cleared the salary cap space so he could go to the Lakers. Like, he, he, he negotiated the rosters for multiple teams. Aaron Rodgers can't even keep his quarterbacks coach on, like, like on his, on his payroll. Uh, Jordy Nelson got shipped out of town and replaced with Jimmy Graham. You're right, like, it, it it is, and I think, I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously different in the way that roster construction works with basketball versus football. I mean, you, you know, you have 22 dudes starting that you have to worry about, you know, 11 on each side versus just five guys. You know, LeBron needs to be surrounded with the five best guys. But I think that, um, I actually think Danny and I, I'm interested. You know, what, what your take on this is, but to me, it's going to be a net positive for Aaron Rodgers. And we talked about this a little bit when we did quarterback drafts, but he's going to get a shock to the system. It's going to cause him to work harder. It's going to cause him to, um, you know, to be more focused. Maybe he's going to be a little miffed, a little ticked off chip on his shoulder to try and prove people wrong. Uh, so I think he comes in aggressive. I think you see the same thing maybe even from Tom Brady, uh, LeBron James. You almost wonder. If he was, if he, if he was, uh, him being allowed to construct his roster in Cleveland did him a pretty big disservice. I mean, he did a terrible job the second time around of bringing in players.
1: So I, I totally agree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be in flux with some energy. I'm very, I'm a little bit nervous about Brady though. This, the relationship that he's had with Belichick, I do feel like they're starting to see some, some weaknesses in that triumphant relationship between Robert Craftfield Bill Belichick and Tom Brady so I'm interested to see how that plays out I'm a little bit more nervous about them than I am with Aaron Rodgers I think there's there's going to be a freshness and a newness with Darren Rogers surroundings that you're not going to see with Brady, but I still think they're going to be, they're going to win the FCS. Like that's a whole other conversation, yeah. but get, getting back to kind of the offseason, the way it works. So the Houston Rockets actually came out with a suge- suggestion, said, Hey, maybe the NBA should do their draft the way that the NFL does, right? Like it's instead of the lottery system where you have the balls tossed up, maybe to go just straight, you know, one to 32, flip flop the worst team gets the first pick. Do you like? or prefer one system over the other way the nba handles their draft or the nfl handles theirs
2: well i I mean i think the nfl's is more fair you know you end up when you have the lottery system you can end up in a situation where a team i mean obviously a team with a like the 14th best record ends or 14th worst record excuse me ends up with the the first overall pick i think the problem with what you, what you would run into in the NBA if you did that, if you did the full NFL system where you just absolutely reverse it is that you would just flat out have teams tanking. I mean, we see this anyway, right? Like teams are clearly tanking down the stretch to improve their position. If they guaranteed they would improve their position versus just improving their odds, I am sure they would tank. And, and I don't think you ever see that in the NFL really. I mean, you know, people were worried the Jets were going to go 0 and 16 last year and they ended up being pretty good. I mean, even the Colts back, uh, you know, back when they, Lost Peyton Manning and and, mm-hmm. and secured Andrew Luck with the first overall pick. Managed to win a game like Curtis Painter. The I mean, dudes are just out there trying in the NFL. It's it's really hard to tank in the NFL, especially you know given the job security for the coaches and the roster security for different players. You, you're never going to get you know. 22 guys just to lay down like dogs all, you know, on the same day, unless, unless, you know, they just totally cave on a, you know, the, like, like they, if they give up on the season, maybe, but not, not for, not for tanking purposes. So, um, I think that would be the concern. I'll tell you what I'd like to see the NBA do is. You get the first, the way to get the first overall pick, and I wouldn't even mind this, the NFL might be tough to do this, but in the NBA, you, the first overall team is the first team to miss the playoffs. So you're encouraged to try and make the playoffs, but you get rewarded if you miss. And I think that builds up comp- uh, competitiveness and competition from the bottom down and allows uh, you know, teams at the bottom to try hard because they know they improve their draft stock. So like second team out of the playoffs, second team, second pick in the draft. And then you're constantly churning over these teams. Maybe maybe that keeps the bottom too far down at the bottom. But I, I like that idea more.
1: Yeah, I think, too, in the NFL, the tanking wouldn't work as much because in the NFL or the NBA, rather, you can get one player and it can make a huge difference on your roster. But in the end, and it can really increase a bad roster pretty quickly. But in the NFL, if you have a bad roster and then you get the number one quarterback, say Andrew Luck, I mean, we've seen kind of what happens when you put him around a bad roster. He's going to get killed. Like, and you can't take that risk on a young quarterback that much. So I think, I don't think the tanking works as much, but I like your idea. I do think Adam Silver needs to look and address the issue of tanking because I think it's bad for the sport. It's awful for the regular season. It's bad for those cities that have to sit there and endure it. Um, Will, I want to do something on the NFL because it feels like, in Russell Okung, when I was a little tweet storm the other night talking about guaranteed contracts, it feels like more players are taking much more seriously the idea of holding out and actually skipping games, which becomes a very real issue for those franchises. Of the of the kind of guys that have talked about the holdouts. So you got Aaron Donald um out in LA, you've got Julio Jones, uh, you know, in Atlanta threatening to hold out, you've got Khalil Mack, others other athletes out there, football players. Which one do you think is the most serious, like a team that should be worried that their guy might not be in uniform for a significant amount of time this season?
2: Mm. Well, I think the the Falcons are going to figure out, I think the Falcons know they have a window, so they'll figure out a way to pay Julio. Aaron Donald missed the first week of last year's season. and still finished. was the defensive player of the year, so I guess that wouldn't be a surprise. I I think he is, well, actually I take that back. On that list that we're looking at, um, I think Earl Thomas is the guy. Earl, you know, Earl is going to want to get paid or he's going to want to get traded. And he's, he's made plenty of money. Um, he's not going to, we want to risk getting out there and getting hurt on the final year of his deal. And the Seahawks are clearly rebooting. So I think Earl Thomas seems like a guy who could be very likely to, to miss games. Um, Holding out, you know, he probably has the most stockpiled cash of all those guys, and I think Aaron Donald certainly falls in that category. I, I just think the Rams have to get something done with him. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he held out uh, until the, the very end, and I think Lev Bell is going to sign his franchise tender and, and get playing. You know, the, the the problem, Danny, with the with the the, the negotiations of the guaranteed contracts is that these guys are in a situation where they don't care about trying to change the paradigm of of, of what NFL play like. These guys are not in that same boat, right? They're they're just trying to hold out to get more money. They want the big superstar contracts. And that's the difference, is that ultimately these star players are gonna get paid the like Julio Jones is getting paid a lot of money. He's gonna right. get paid the full length of his deal. He just thinks he's underpaid for it. Uh he's not battling a guaranteed contract or guaranteed money issue. He's battling a overall an overall money issue. And so I, I think these it, it comes down to the star players being willing to take a PR hit and their agents have to play ball with them as they take a PR hit too and say, we're not going to grab the headline that we've been like these headlines. They grab was like, um, you know, like Andy Dalton fifth highest paid contract <laughs> over, you know, the course of this. When you do that, it, it, you're playing into the team's hand because you're allowing the team to, tr- you know, you're trumpeting up dummy numbers. These guys have to be willing to take less money uh, in a headline, but, but make it fully guaranteed, and the only way to really get teams to do that is to have star players do it first.
1: Yeah, I think some of the, I think some of the disgruntlement, like when I hear Julio Jones is holding out, I think he should be mad at his agent. He still has three years left on his deal. He's the seventh or eighth highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Which, yeah, he's probably worth more than that. But it's not like he's egregiously underpaid. And I get players are always looking for long term security. But for, especially Julio's deal, I just, I look at that and I I don't think it's a good look for him. And I think he should be more mad as an agent that he should be at the Falcons. Um, and I also think Earl Thomas has a ton more, a lot more leverage now that Cam Chancellor's come out and, you know, hinted at his retirement. Looks like his injuries are going to force him to hang it up. So I think all of these are going to be interesting to watch and I think you could have, A record-setting number of guys who aren't in uniform week one because you know like Aaron Donald last year until they do get their money um we we just talked at the top of the show I tease that we were you know we did a podcast your podcast the pick six podcast together and you had a great idea because we did a quarterback draft (laughs) where we went through we did a snake draft I had the number one pick I took Aaron Rodgers so then you had two and three you had Tom Brady and Carson Wentz um, where did you think I went wrong on my list of guys? I had Roethlisberger. Then I had Breeze. I was really upset I missed out on Russell Wilson. Then I came in back in with Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. Was there any that you felt like I was totally off base? Like would, Like you got Brady at two. Should
2: I have taken Brady yeah. one? No, 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 I was mad you took Rogers one. I thought I assumed <laughs> you You thought I was going to go Yeah, you thought I was going to go old school. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> why I gave you the first pick, right? Uh um, Wentz at 3 feels like feels a little I I don't know if I should have gone Wentz at 3. Um it, No, I think that we both made the mistake of not drafting Matthew Stafford, which yes. you don't see on this list. Um I would I would probably take Cam I would take Cam Newton over Kirk Cousins and I think that uh it, you know I, I don't I, I don't know I mean like it's hard like it's here's the hard thing is I'm like I would take Russell Wilson over Ben Roethlisberger but it wouldn't be surprising at all if Ben Roethlisberger I thought I thought they going Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees at 4 and 5 for you was a, a nice get, even though the, they're a little bit older. Right. Both guys can ha- end up having MVP seasons. And so I think it's a difference. It's, it's a fascinating difference between, um, you know, guaranteed Hall of Fame quarterbacks versus the youth and upside that I grabbed with Russell Wilson and, and Deshaun Watson. I, I thought that, um, you, you maybe, you maybe played it a little safe with Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an upside guy, as noted by my Mahomes and, and Jimmy Garoppolo combo down later on. Right. Um, but I thought uh, you had Deshaun
1: Watson a little high, too, at seven. 7th overall ahead of guys like Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins who have a bigger body of work, but I think that's a testament to your, your risky nature looking for the bigger upside. Because I think it's there, but there's such a body of work. There is the, the RG3 factor of how good he looked his rookie, rookie year, then tore an ACL, then never got back to that form. I obviously would never hope that for anybody, and I think Deshaun Watson will be okay, but I thought that was way too high for him. Um,
2: can well, you? yeah. yeah. I, I took two guys. I took two, two guys coming off torn ACLs yes. in the top seven picks. Like <laughs> that's, that's right. That's a I didn't even risky. get
1: to the Carson Wentz. I totally over, and yeah. we should both be fired as GMs for our oversight of Matt Safford. Uh, but it kind of, it's kind of the story of his career. Uh, until he has a little bit more success in the postseason, I think he's always going to be a forgotten guy who puts up with a lot of numbers. Not that it, a lot of it's any of it's his fault, but I'll have to get there. Uh, can you trust any quarterback? I took Kirk Cousins at nine. Can you trust any quarterback? based on his fourth of july grilling picture like what is going on with the meats he's putting on the grill there all
2: right so uh whoever i i I guess uh devo is doing the the producing here he he did not include comments i respect that but (laughs) because because you don't want to include instagram comments because guys swear them all the time you don't want to get fired over that but the comments in this one were hilarious because one guy's like are you grilling rocks and somebody else is like why are you killing kidneys, Hannibal Lecter? I mean, what is this? This un- I thought it was spam. Yeah, like, but like, do you see in, in that? In the one from the second from the bottom, there's like a little cut in it. It's a very yes. bizarre, like, like in cut. Like, I, I, my, I mean, I wrote about this yesterday. It actually did a lot of traffic somehow because that's how slow it is in the NFL. Um, but uh, so my my theory is it's one of two. If it's if it's meat, it's one of two things. It is either a. Bunch of tuna steaks gone horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. Or more likely it is 10 fillets, completely unseasoned, cooked over like a grill that's heated to 300. (laughs) And so there's no char whatsoever. They're well done. They're brown. They're, they're tasteless. Maybe he's making those mutton burgers that Joey Chestnut, uh, once upon a time ate 81 of. I I don't, I don't know. This is, I will trust. You don't trust a man who grills like that. Well, then you wouldn't
1: trust me. I am the worst griller in America. Like, I thought I was. Now I feel like I have a chance to uh, – I can give that – hand that title off to Kirk Cousins. When I, my wife crushes me because she's like every man should be able to grill. And I can put it out there. But I'll actually <laughs> invite friends over – that I respect their grilling techniques and how they, and their performance. And I'll just give them the stuff. I'll say, I'll go buy the meat. I'll put everything and I'll just hand it off to them. Cause I'm, I'm notorious like the butterfly cut just to check it to make sure I have no confidence that it's going to be undercooked and we're <laughs> going to get everybody sick. So I just hand it off to everybody else. Um, let's finish it off with the Madden 99 club because we saw a couple new guys to this. Luke Keekly, Antonio Brown, uh, Gronk is on there. Brady's on there. Aaron Donald. Von Miller, who is the next guy that we're going to see join the Madden 99 rating club?
2: Mm, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I think that you, well, uh, th- that's actually missing. You Aaron liked Rogers, Carson
1: too. Wentz, you know? Oh, yeah, that's right. That exactly, is missing. Aaron like but he wasn't on there,
2: right? Well,
1: Rogers no, was 97.
2: Uh, no, Rogers was 99. They did not uh, get 99. They did, seven, they did seven guys and they did. So, I mean, I'm just doing the math. It's like four offensive guys um you know two <laughs> quarterbacks so like your quarterbacks is probably more likely but I don't know that there's somebody who's gonna leap up into that 99 I mean Wentz is, is if really he has good. another I,
1: year I, like last year he'll jump up for sure
2: yeah if he plays a full season and plays at an MVP level he would get it so that would be a good answer I feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out um I, I'll tell you who I'll tell you who's a sleeper for it Joey Bosa Ooh. lined up against Melvin Ingram an yep. edge rusher. They don't have a defensive end on that list, I don't believe. Khalil Mack is another name that you could think about. But I think Bosa has such a high ceiling. So he's got a great motor and he's, you know, he's, I mean, people already treat him as sort of like an all pro style defensive end. He's really just heading into what is the uh, third season here. I mean, he could have an absolute explosion came out of Ohio State very young. And I, I think Bosa could be a, the next 99 guy if he has a big year for the Chargers.
1: Nice. I like it. That's a, that's a bold prediction. You can get that and others on the Pick, Sid po- uh, Pick 6 podcast. You can get it every single day of the week. That's Will Brinson. Follow him on Twitter, at Will Brinson. Uh, good stuff as always, man. Thanks a lot, Will. Yeah, thanks, Danny. All right. Uh, let's get on to You Have to See It, one of my favorite segments here on Canel and Bell. So we've got D. Wade's son, Zaire, Now, this isn't just like some summer AAU against other high schools. That's Tim Hardaway Jr. Yes, the owner of a $71 million contract that he just crosses up right there. Pretty filthy. And D-Wade actually asked him, said, hey, are you going to call him Baby Flash? And D-Wade tweeted out, said, nope, he's going to make his own name. And if he keeps making moves like that and getting buckets on NBA superstars, then he's going to make a name for himself. Uh, as much as I fought this one We are going to have some soccer Actually I love this one because it's the kids Watch the Neymar impression There it is, boom, sniper from, le- from out in the center field Bleachers, right there going down They're not even rolling enough To do the Neymar because there's even more drama But this is awesome But is this really what we want to teach our youth of America That's my biggest problem with soccer Is flopping, we have to rid the game of it But f- good for these kids for having some fun with it uh, How about you have to hear it Because we had John Anik on our podcast the other day. He was hyped up about the Max Holloway versus Brian uh, Ortega fight. And has now been canceled. But check out uh, John Anik when he was describing the fight.
3: You have to hear it. I think this fight truly could go either way. If I was a gambling man, I would stay away from this fight but as compelling a featherweight championship fight as we have had really since Conor McGregor challenged Jose Aldo back in 2015. I think this fight truly could go either way. If I was a gambling man, I would stay away from this fight, but as compelling a featherweight championship fight as we have had really since Conor McGregor challenged Jose Aldo back in 2015. So
1: we saved some money right there because, as you can hear, Don Anik didn't like one way or the other, and uh, Holloway actually withdrew due to concussion issues. Uh, so the main event, it's uh, the co-main event. It's off the card. So now Stipe and Cormier will have to look forward to that. Which I don't know. Cormier was coming off the stage the other day and falls down. I'd be, I'd be really worried about putting any money on Cormier, even though John Anik really liked him a lot in that one. But it'll still be interesting to watch no matter what. Let's get to some of the biggest storylines from the last 24 hours with a little read and react. Read and react.
4: All right, Danny, I am going to read you these headlines directly taken from cbsports.com and you're going to tell me what you think of them. So first one, Jake Fromm suffers a broken hand in a freak accident. Now, Georgia coach Kirby Smart said that it's an insignificant urgery and Fromm already resumed throwing.
1: Uh, that's the good news that it's insignificant because I know Justin Fields comes in. He's a five star quarterback who, you know, the entire country was after and it was a huge coup for him to go to Athens. But the fact that Fromm is throwing already tells me it's probably something minor. And it's kind of crazy to me because these guys are college kids, right? They want to go have fun. He's out in a boat, like enjoying his summer. Uh, Apparently, rope tying. his his buddy was rope tying him on the back of a boat. He comes down on his hand. Like, they're college kids. They're having fun. And I think this is every coach's worst nightmare that you would have some sort of injury off the field. But the good news for Kirby Smart is it sounds pretty insignificant.
4: Danny, did you have any of those injuries?
1: (laughs) I did. I almost did. So when I was at Florida State, I went down to the Keys and Mm -hmm. I, I was on a wave runner and I was going and like, you know how you can go spray the wave runner and everybody's on the dock and they're hanging out like sunbathing. So I was going Mm -hmm. up there and like spraying them. I miscalculated (laughs) and I had some wake coming from behind and I actually like went in too close and the wake hit the dock. Oh, no. And it, like, wrecked the wave runner. And thank goodness my foot was, like, inside the little well, like, where you keep your feet. Because right. if it was outside, I would have lost my foot. But oh, thankfully, it was gosh. just the wave yeah, runner. Thank
4: God you didn't miscalculate that much. <laughs> <I> <laughs> just know. a little bit.
1: Exactly. All
4: right, moving on to one of our favorite guys, Grayson Allen and Trey Young. Go at it. So this was a summer league, the Hawks versus the Jazz. Danny, did you see this?
1: I did. And, man, do people hate Grayson Allen. But it's really <laughs> hard to defend him. I thought this was a little overblown. There was it was just a back and forth. It got a little bit physical. I thought Trey Young they got tangled up and they were going at it. There was one little extra kind of elbow duck under give the shoulder to Trey Young's chest that I thought was just a typical Grayson Allen move. I think this is going to be really um interesting to watch what happens when Grayson Allen is not going up against another rookie in the summer league. Like what happens if he does this to a seasoned vet? Like he's going to get smacked down pretty quick, as I'm sure our boy Raja Bell will attest to when he gets back. Uh, but man, is Grayson Allen hated because it was trending pretty quickly on Twitter.
4: It was trending so quickly, and I agree with you. I like that you said that it was overblown because that was yeah. my first thought when I watched it. I was like, this is if this wasn't Grayson Allen, it wouldn't be. Nobody would be talking about it. Right. But they just love to hate on our guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they do.
4: All right, another report here. So Lakers fear Lonzo's camp leaked a knee injury. So the Lakers think that his camp leaked it to avoid getting traded. What do you think of this one, Danny?
1: I, I'm i telling you, I don't think that Lonzo and LeBron are in a Lakers uniform together. I think it's only a matter of time uh, before Lonzo is shipped off, whether it's to San Antonio or some other kind of three-team package deal so that they can land Kawhi Leonard. And this makes a lot more sense because I made this this statement before the trade went down or the day it went down, and I was like, uh-oh, what's taking so long? And this is probably one of the bigger reasons it's probably, again, one of those overblown stories, like, did it matter that much? Because every team's going to give you a physical when you, you know, when you make a trade of this magnitude. But I still think the trade happens and Lonzo Ball is shipped out of L.A. And it's not because of him or his skill set. It's all because of LeVar.
4: Well, Danny, that's all I have for Read and React. We're going to move on to Take It or Leave It. But first, you have something you wanted to share with us, right?
1: I do. Hannah, you have beautiful teeth. <laughs> I struggle sometimes. Like I think I, I, gotta, I gotta brush them. I forget. My wife gives me a hard time. And you know what else is a big problem is most of us, we brush our teeth wrong or we don't do it for long enough. Uh, we forget to change our brush on time. Like I have three little girls and I'm always trying to get them to brush their teeth for a long time because they'll go in before bed and just like two seconds and I got nope. So they have to sing their ABCs. It's a pain in the neck. But you know what can help? You got to get Quip because it's very different than any old toothbrush. For starters, it's an electric toothbrush that has a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes, while still packing just the amount or the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. It's built in timer. This is the one that I love. Helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. That comes in so handy, whether it's me or whether it's my five year old. It's really easy to follow along. And they have a subscription plan. So you never forget. It's for your health, not just for convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping, free shipping worldwide. Uh, it also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. We just got back from family vacation. Worked perfectly. And finally, everyone loves Quip. They are on Oprah's O-list, so you know it's money there. They were named one of Time's Best Inventions, and it's the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. So how do you get it? You got to get Quip. It starts at just twenty five dollars And if you go to getquip.com slash bench right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash bench, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash bench. All right, Hannah, let's do some take it or leave it. And Put me on the spot. What do you have for us?
4: All right, first one. The Lakers should pursue Damian Lillard. Take it or leave it.
1: I'm going to leave it. I think I still believe that the Lakers, the Kawhi Leonard trade is going to happen. If you want it to happen this year, obviously it's going to be a little bit trickier because of the pieces. You're going you know, to the San Antonio Spurs are saying, Hey, we're not going to make this easy on you might be a little bit challenging, but Dame Leonard would, uh, would take up a ton of cap space. He's owed 89 million over the next three seasons. If you want Kawhi Leonard eventually to happen, you're going to have to clear some room. You got to, to be very cautious. And I don't think there's going to be enough room. If you brought in Dame Leonard. Dame Lillard, and plus, he's also happy, as he tweeted out, saying, I'm typically a happy camper.
4: Yeah, so you can see here, somebody asked if the Blazers traded you to the Lakers to help LeBron, would you be happy? Dame Ooh. quoted the tweet and said, typically, I'm a happy camper.
1: <laughs> so he left it up more of the, I thought he was saying he was happy in Portland still. No, he's saying I'd be happy wherever I am, which I think you'd be concerned if you're a Blazers fan.
4: All right, moving on to the next take it or leave it. The Pelicans and Anthony Davis made a mistake by not welcoming DeMarcus Cousins back or offering him a respectable contract
1: I'm gonna leave that I think uh, nobody knows a player like his own locker room and like his other superstar and if Anthony Davis wanted DeMarcus Cousins back I think it would have happened I think they would have made him that offer and by all accounts DeMarcus Cousins has been a mercurial I like using big words on this show I don't know why <laughs> but a mercurial player it. like he's he's emotionally he's all up and down he's immature he's shown signs um, of being a player who's not the best inside your locker room. And if he wasn't that, then by all means, go ahead and move on him. I think that's what they t- made the trade for to bring him in, was say, let's see how this works. And it didn't work great. So they're like, all right, we're going to move on and build our team around some other players. So I'm going to leave that. I think it was the right decision for the Pelicans to do it.
4: Elsewhere in the NBA, Danny, do you take this or leave this. Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving will be teammates in 2019.
1: I'm going to leave all of these on the table. <laughs> I, it's funny because there's so many rumors. It's that time of year when you get a lot of stuff coming out. It's very slow, especially now that LeBron has landed. Everybody's putting up their, you know, speculative theories. I don't think that the Celtics need Jimmy Butler. I think with the young nucleus of talent that they have, Jalen Brown, um, you know, uh, Gordon Hayward coming back, he's going to be healthy. I don't think you'd want to mi- add another, player to that mix jason tatum i forgot him uh incredible uh breakout season for him al horford is kind of the vocal vet and the seasoned veteran on that team who's taking the leadership role i don't want to i don't really think you need to add another piece of a guy like jimmy butler who would require a lot of cap space and you'd have to make a lot of moves there
4: but butler is still all fed up with the nonchalant attitude of his younger teammates
1: Ah, yes, he is. And that's why I don't think he ends up back there. But I think there's a possibility he could be up with the Knicks uh, because the Knicks are still that team. Again, another rumored one that, they, hey, they're going to bring in somebody. Maybe they're the ones that land uh, Jimmy Butler and he can team up with Kristaps Porzingis back when he's healthy.
4: Okay, my last take it or leave it for you, Danny. Dwight Howard will actually help the Wizards.
1: <laughs> this is a funny one because Dwight Howard, to me, has had such a an awful back half of his, of his, of his career For sure. where we, he comes out out of the gates, looks incredible, takes Orlando to the finals, wins the dunk contest. He's this beloved superstar, and, man, did he throw it all the way. And it really started when he goes out to L.A., and it didn't work with Kobe Bryant. And I think what you saw is a player like Kobe who all he wanted to do was win, and it drove Dwight Howard nuts and tried to push him to that next level. And I know he had a little bit of success uh, with Houston after going there from L.A., but this is a player who all of a sudden has become a journeyman. To your question, though, I might actually take it, though, as much as this bothers me, because the Wizards are that team that needs help. Uh, with the backcourt they've got, they could use a big man in the middle, and maybe this helps them in the Eastern Conference. It's is wide open. Uh, so I'm going to take it. As much as I don't like it, I'm going to take it.
4: That was the one that I really expected you to leave. You left everything else. <laughs> I know. You took I that talked one.
1: myself into it after rambling <laughs> for five minutes. I, I did talk myself into it, but I think, I, I don't think it's like a long-term fix. I think he's probably right. there for another quick stop and, uh, and you know, we'll picks see. How we'll out. All right. Let's do some picks and props with Debo as man, I'm getting crushed in these. Thank goodness this is only play money and doesn't matter because <laughs> I'd be broke.
0: Danny, we have to talk about one of the beat, bat, The worst beats that I've had, I'm so emotional about it, I can't even speak. But we talked about that hot dog bet the other day, under 70 and a half. You convinced me you made a good point about the heat. Did you see what happened?
1: What did happen? Because he he got it, right? He got the record.
0: It was a really bad count. So on TV, on the screen, and the girl holding up, flipping the card, had it at 64, which obviously would have hit the under, which I bet. It was actually 74 after a recount. She missed 10 hot dogs
1: so i actually uh well my radio show was talking about it and i said 64 and people started firing off tweets on twitter saying no you've got the count wrong so that makes a lot more sense because i think even on the bottom like on espn they reported as 64 and then they do the recount i didn't realize that's what had transpired in the last seven or eight hours so whoever that like and it very it was a very inexact way of counting like when they have the people there with this dumb signs and they're looking at them so you can easily understand how it could happen but man my man is putting back some food and i'm saying i we debo we got to make it happen with hannah with her uh four and a half five whatever the number is she's been talking yeah. all kind of smack on instagram i was gonna I say, sit
0: down there i was <laughs> gonna say that i will win my money back on the under four and a half with hannah that's
4: right keep talking you guys
0: All right. So we're going to bring Hannah in today for some soccer bets. It's the soccer quarterfinals. In just a minute, we're going to have Thomas Rangan on to break down the quarters. But first, we're going to pick it as the novices, not the experts. The first game of the day, Uruguay versus France. There's a big injury in this one, though, Danny.
1: Oh, there is. (laughs) <laughs>
0: Are you gonna Cavani.
1: Oh, Cavani's out? Then I'm taking France then. Is, does he, what team does he play on? I don't even... You're, you're right. right. He's so oh, confident also, he went I'm direction. going with France because uh, France is the heavy favorite. You say Uruguay. I say Uruguay. I'm going to say France.
0: Hannah says it real official.
1: Uruguay. And See? I'm going with them. And she sounds bad. Oh, you're going with Uruguay. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, good.
0: France minus four, 240, so that's the heavy favorite. I'm rolling with them. The 2 o'clock game, Brazil versus Belgium, one that people are saying could have been the final matchup, but it's taking place in the round of eight. Brazil, slight favorites in this one, but not as much as you'd expect for the World Cup favorite.
1: I There's no way I'm rooting for Neymar. Like, zero chance. But I actually do like Belgium's shot in this game. I'll be rooting for them. Uh, So, I'm going to take Belgium. Belgium was the one that came back against Japan, right? That was the 2-0, and they came all the way back to win 3-2? Yep. Soccer knowledge. Like, I was dialed into that game. I think they've got some momentum. I think that awful first half is going to translate, and they're going to pick up where they left off in the second half of that game versus Japan. So, I'm going to take Belgium.
4: Debo, who are you going with? Belgium. Okay. So... I'm going with Brazil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. Hannah agreed with us for a while. That was her strategy, and now she's going the back to fading us. so I we'll see need a new
4: strategy.:
0: How that works. Danny, you said you couldn't root for Neymar. Let's see if you can root for this prop. The over under is six and a half fouls suffered, which actually is an official stat kept by FIFA. He's been averaging 5.75 fouls suffered through the first four games of the World Cup but you got to think he'll amp up the theatrics for the quarterfinals, right?
1: Yeah, he's going to amp up the theatrics, but now everybody knows what's going on. So I'm going to say the refs are on to him, and I'm going to say under. I'm going to say his theatrics don't work. Like we talked about the Mexican coach calling him out. Everybody's talking about it. It was all over social media. They are going to they're gonna, they're gonna start calling him out on it and not calling the fouls. So I'm going to say under six and a half. I actually like that one. I might take that for real.
4: Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it? You think it's going to work? You think it's still going to work? Just don't take it for real. Based <laughs> on our track record for, I mean, Danny, you haven't been yeah. doing so well. I'd be careful.
1: Dave, <laughs> i got to pay for college. <laughs> uh, what about you? What about you, Debo? Who are you taking? Over.
0: You are? You think it works? He right. will play it up today. He's He's motivated by those commercials. The kids flopping. Everybody's taking it up more. He'll go over. Seven or eight. All right, perfect. All
1: right. Let's uh let's bring in somebody who actually knows what they're talking about on soccer. And believe it or not, I actually did have World Cup withdrawal the last couple of days as I got so used to waking up, you know, throwing on the T V, ten o'clock, you'd get games. It's been fascinating, it's lived up to the drama uh that you would expect of a of uh you know a, a the game of this magnitude. We're going to bring on our guy, TR Thomas wrong. And he's right here at CBS sports HQ. He's our lead soccer analyst. Uh, he's a former coach and player. He was great here on the podcast. We had to get him up early again. Uh, I apologize for waking you up early, but I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the world cup as the quarterfinals kickoff today. So Thomas TR tell me what's the bigger storyline of the world cup. This, uh, this point at this point, is it the teams that are still remaining like England and Russia or is the bigger storyline the teams that were favorites that made early exits like Germany and Spain?
3: I think, Danny, the storyline of this tournament is threefold. One, as you mentioned, we see on one side four teams that never gotten close to, you know, to winning the World Cup. I shouldn't say that because England is, but you have Russia, you have Croatia. You have obviously teams that we didn't expect to be there, which is the beauty of this game, and, and very refreshing because a lot of people are saying, well, Thomas, the tournament in the United States in 2026 20, will have 48 teams. Will that dilute the, uh, the product? And it shows this tournament that will not. The big teams failed, and failed maybe because they did not Keep up with new trends in the game, and I mean it sincerely. Mm. Possession football is out. The top five teams with possession includes Argentina, Germany, and Spain. All three favorites. Germany, maybe the most favorite team because they won it four years ago, aren't there anymore. And the teams that are there, the quality teams, Brazil, Belgium, France, and Uruguay, made some major changes uh, since the World Cup in 2014 and since the Euros and the Copa Americas. The trend is the following. We are better sometimes without the ball. Sounds crazy, but those teams are showing with 30 or 35% that they can be lethal. And at the end of the day, if you look at shot accuracy, and goal efficiency, these teams are crazy. Order-wide. shot accuracy and goal efficiency. Russia is around 80%. Argentina, Spain, and uh, Germany were around 12%. So at the end of the day, it's about in transition, offensive transition, on the break as France has shown against Argentina with less passes to get to goal. It's very interesting, too. Spain passes you to death, they thousand plus passes in one game and lost against Russia penalties. But their shot ratio was very, very low. And the lack of wits that these teams have in higher parts of the field really killed them. Belgium, for instance, great example. Martinez at halftime makes a decision decision that goes against the grain of their playing style and philosophy and throws in players that are not as good, but can give them width and can give them crosses. And the Belgians happen to be bigger than the Japanese, and after they're down 2 nothing, win the game 3-2. So the teams that are flexible, tactical, based on what's given to them, or based on what they can take, are the teams that are successful right now. And, and that's unbelievable. Argentina, no use oldest Argentinian teams ever was there. Germany, no use. Although a year ago, in the Confederation step they beat Mexico 4-1 and they lose against Mexico this year, and Mexico made the tactical and stylistic changes to be able to play on the highest level internationally. And there's a great difference between playing for Barcelona and play possession football and basically out-possess entire teams down and beat still functional based on the theory, outliers. Messi and that whole group, of Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, Puyol, um, mm. Piquet, they've been together since they were 12. then in La Masia. Mm. And then you talk about patterns of play, you talk about passwords, dog theory, and eventually everything then you know that Becomes automatic. You've been with a wide receiver six, seven, eight years. You know his tendency. He knows when he drops, and a shoulder goes down. a second step comes, and then loop left. But he knows you can move right. That's what you do with club football. And we are- Messi has never figured it out.
1: Yeah, it's, it was, uh, it was really disheartening for me to see him have the early exit. Him and Ronaldo, two of the biggest stars in the sport. But there is a third superstar who's remaining, and that's Neymar, who has gotten a lot of bad attention recently because of his antics with the flopping, the faking injuries. It makes it hard for me to watch as a casual soccer fan. I'm like, I can't stand when you see a player who's literally slowing down the game. He's completely faking injuries. Is there anything you can do to fix it, or do you even see it as a problem? Is it a part of the game?
3: Oh, Danny, you put me on the spot. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like you, and I'm, I'm 40 years older than you. I'm 71, and you're eight still and 30. <laughs>
1: sure, we'll go with that.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm a romantic too. I don't like rolling. I don't like disrespecting the game. I don't like disrespecting my opponents. I don't even disres- like disrespecting my teammates. He cried after the first game. He rolled by the third game. He faked injuries by the fifth game. And even some of his teammates now, this is weird reaction after, Well, here we go again. Saying that, Danny, he's the most fouled player in the tournament, by far. Hmm. By far. He got fouled 14 times against Switzerland in the first half alone. So you can say, you know what? He's being targeted. And he's being targeted in a tactical way. I, I hit him two times, somebody else hits him two times, somebody else hits him two times, and the referee can't look at one particular player, goes, you know, that's consistent fouling of a player. Here's a yellow card. Switchland so finally got a yellow card in the sixty eighth minutes and the player that gets the yellow card gets shoved out and another player comes in and kicks him again. Fair enough, um I don't like some of the things that he has shown either, but 48 times he's been able to get in, in the penalty box. Right. 16 more times than any other player in the tournament. He's been false in
1: eight. 18- so, I, can, I so T.R., I can kind of hear you. I got. I think I got cut off a little bit. Let's go through the quarterfinals and uh, do a little rapid fire as far as we were just talking about Neymar. How do you like uh, his chances versus Belgium? Can Belgium knock off Brazil, who looks like maybe the favorite to win it all? Two of the best
3: offenses. Less. Jesus, Neymar, Coutinho, Willian versus Lukaku, the second leading goal scorer. Dries Martin, Cesar De Brown. But, funny enough, Brazil, 20 clean sheets since their new coach took over. 25 games, 20 clean sheets. And with Uruguay, the only team that has conceded one goal in four games. I put my money on Brazil 2-1.
1: And then what about in Uruguay versus France? Who do you like in that one with, uh, the injury to the Uruguay Oh, uh, so might not
3: play, might be the yeah. same time, decision. Suarez Uh, and who's going to stop them? Saying that Uruguay is maybe, maybe the best team out there in terms of being cynical. They've had 33% of average possession. These definitely a team are saying, you keep the ball. Play, 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 play play unbalance itself yeah come forward come forward come forward boom we're in midfield we go in transition Suarez the one nothing that's enough for us cynical tough organized who's like two um and their opponent won
1: nice uh lastly is russia cheating like that i don't think anybody saw them getting this far they're the home country we know there's been a lot of corruption in the sport specifically in that country are they cheating no, they're not. Okay, good.
3: Well, they haven't got doping, uh, tests yet. No, but in all fairness, we, we, we certainly think there might be because of the history of, of Russian athletes and Russian government involved. and all that's been predominantly or only, I should say, Danny, the Olympics. In all fairness, you rarely see doping in, in soccer, which is well done because it's a, like cycling, it's an endurance sport, but players rarely do that. The Russians have one thing that we didn't know. They didn't have to qualify, Danny. They played two friendly games, so nobody really knew how good or bad his team was. B, nobody plays outside of the country except one player. So it's not like every weekend we see them in Europe, for Barcelona, or Man United, or whoever. Six starters play for CSK Moscow. And talking about playing together all the time. Huge advantage. They looked The best team right now as a team understanding what needs to be done on the day and be able to do it. In terms of quality, Danny, they're the worst of the eight. But they're at home, home field, too, maybe. That's an advantage. I think Croatia's too strong for Russia, though, to win that game.
1: Awesome. That'll be fun to watch, see if that home team can keep, uh, keep their streak alive. TR, thanks again for getting up early. Enjoy the games this weekend.
3: Thanks, Danny. Take care.
1: All right, we'll see you later. All right, make sure you can get all the best highlights and biggest sports stories right in your inbox every morning with the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. It's packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. Just go to cbsports.com slash hqdaily to subscribe. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. All right, here's the deal. You need to go go to iTunes. You need to subscribe. You need to download us. But when you're there, you have to leave us a review, and you leave five stars, not four, not three, five-star review. And then after you hit those five stars, you go leave a comment. And in the comment section, you have to ask us a question. And every Friday, we are obliged to answer them, no matter how crazy, how off the wall they may be. So that's where you guys get to put us on the spot, make us feel uncomfortable. Sometimes even Hannah gets to feel uncomfortable because there have been some good questions. But it's all up to you. So let's finish it off with a little five-star Q&A. Hannah, we got any good stuff? Five-star
2: Q&A.
4: Oh, we've got some good stuff today. All right, so All right. our first one is from Mario Hazonia, number one fan. He said, "Can you name the starting lineups on your Ooh. high school teams?" I wish Roger was here for this one.
1: Man, me too. Because I, you know, because I, I played three, like I played basketball, baseball, and football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I apologize to my high school teammates. If any of you guys <laughs> are listening, I could name probably half of them, but there is zero chance I could name any sport, every person on the on the court. I just couldn't do it. I. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have a good memory. Basketball, even in hoops, and we, we had a good team. I could name probably three or four, like some of my best friends, Tommy Fagley, Aaron Walhoff, like we were the three, we were the big three. And then once you get past that, I don't know if I could get very far. Debo, would bad. you
4: be able to do that?
1: Debo's a sentimental guy. I feel like
0: I would to. have to play high school sports to be able to name the starting <laughs> lineups.
4: <laughs> Sorry. Didn't even call you out there.
1: How about you, Hannah? Can you name, like, you probably name your squad, right?
4: Uh No, definitely not. No?
1: Definitely not. Right, and good. let me
4: remind you that I went to art school, so any high school <laughs> athletics was not not that aggressive anyways. All right, so this is another one from WWR19. He says, Danny, did Russosillo shoot down a lot of ideas for your show at ESPN? What ideas do you have for the podcast?
1: My man Russillo was very set in his ways, and I would bring ideas all the time. And he thought they were the cheesiest things ever. And maybe he was right, but we never got to see them. So that's what we're going to get to do on off the bench. Cause once football comes up, I'm going to start bringing the ideas and droves and it's going to be up to Debo and you and Raja to tell me if they're any good. But I think we'll at least try them. And then I can either get laughed out of the place or they might be like make us the, the most trendy pod in the history of podcasts. That could be the case too. We'll never know until we try.
4: The most trendy pod, I love. It. <laughs> All right, last one from Aw Downs. He said, slow pitch softball etiquette. Competitive league. Everyone knows what's going on. Other team's pitcher hits two liners back at our pitcher. No apology. My pitcher asked me to hit one up the middle, and I did. Was I right or wrong?
1: Absolutely right. These are the unwritten <laughs> rules, not only in baseball, but they also cross over into softball. I know it's supposed to be fun, but you can see those games get chirpy. I used to play in a men's softball league. Uh, and then I hurt my thumb diving for a ball and I, again, I felt like really unathletic. So I'm like, I gotta hang it up. But if they're going after your pitcher, you gotta defend him and come out and do the same thing. Like it's just an unwritten rule. You have to do it. You'd have your girls back, right, Hannah? Like if you were playing, you'd do it.
4: Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. I'm happy you took that aggressive side because I was just, I was going there anyways. Yeah, I completely all, agree. Sports are all about
1: loyalty and getting your boys backs, and that's yeah. what it sounds like. So you got to do that for Except sure. Except
4: this guy could probably remember all their names, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's we a little blow. We can't do that. That's <laughs> a low blow, but it's true. Sadly, all right, that's a wrap for us here on off the bench. We'll be back next week. Uh, next week, with all brand new episodes. As always, make sure you go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canal and Bell.